You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Huge top 25 battles entering week number 10. Front and center stage. We have the college football rankings out. We'll see what happens a little bit later today, but we're breaking down Wake Forest and Notre Dame. Very intriguing battle. Notre Dame sits at number three in the college football playoff rankings. Got a dominating home win over NC State last week. But I think they're in for a tough matchup against John Wolford and the Demon Deacons later today. Yeah, listen, again, I, I, I like what Dave Clawson has done with Wake Forest. I, I just don't believe they have the talent base to keep up with Notre Dame. And, you know, the season could really turn for John Wolford, Joe, because his favorite target, young Greg Dortch, who had four touchdown receptions last week, completely Dortch torched. Or he really dorched the uh, the Louisville oh, secondary last week. He dorched them. <laughs> I, I I think that could become a thing over time. Uh, but he's done for the season. So uh, Greg Dorch is out. John Wolford loses his best target. And you know Wake Forest doesn't have a lot of playmakers without Dorch. I don't know how they really stretch the Notre Dame defense. You mentioned Mike Elko, defensive coordinator now at Notre Dame. I like that in terms of the Irish because he knows the Wake Forest personnel, right? He recruited a lot of those kids. He knows their weaknesses. He knows their strengths. I think that's advantage Notre Dame from a coaching perspective. And again, that big physical offensive line, that downhill running style of Josh Adams, who's surging towards possible Heisman contention, Brandon Winbush, who's getting more comfortable as a passer. Wake Forest has some nice parts on defense, but again, Jesse Bates, top safety, out for this game. And when Wake Forest has been challenged, Joe, on the ground, Georgia Tech, as a for instance, they completely buckled. That's what I expect today. Notre Dame by three touchdowns, 38-17. to 17. Well, here's what I look at, Counselor. Wake Forest coming off a 42-32 to 32 win over Louisville last week. They held Lamar Jackson in check, 191 rushing yards to Louisville. 55 of those came in the last 55 seconds of that matchup. You're talking about a Wake Forest offense that put up 625 total yards of offense. John Wolford last week, 461 total passing yards. On the year, he's completing 65% of his passes, 1,660 yards, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. You look at Wake Forest over the over the course of the ACC competition against Florida State, Clemson, and Georgia Tech. They lost those ball games by 11.6 points per game. Over the last three games now against Louisville, Georgia Tech, and Clemson, they're averaging 305 passing yards per game, nine touchdowns, one interception. And you look at the strength of Notre Dame's defense, it is in run support, that's Secondary's allowing 232 passing yards to opposing offenses with or without Greg Dorch. I don't think it matters. And here's the other thing. I look at the Elko factor as an advantage to Wake Forest's offense for practicing week in and week out against his scout defense. To me, that's the difference. I, I think they lose a very close ball game, 34-30, to 30, later today in South Bend. When we come back, we'll be joined by former Akron and current Akron head coach Terry Bowden. He'll be talking about the Zips, and he'll be talking about Matt Campbell. When we come back, keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, 
or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Akron has a big game on Tuesday night against Miami of Ohio. If you want to talk Akron football, you get their head coach on the celebrity guest line. He joins us. Current Akron head coach, Terry Bowden. Coach, how are you today? Uh, doing good. Early practice today. If they ever wonder what, what teams do on their off week, we practice early on Saturday so we can watch football games like you. <laughs> coach, I know you're preparing for a big battle against the Red Hawks on Tuesday night, but talk to me about what you see out of your team heading into the month of November. They're playing very well with consistency and chemistry on both sides of the ball. Well, yeah, we're five and four in, 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 in the MAC conference because your heavy, difficult off uh, uh, non-conference schedule beginning. You're you're sitting where you need to be with about three games to go. We're not a dominant team. We find a way to win close games. Two out of our last three ball games, we've won by one point: fourteen to thirteen against Western Michigan, twenty-one to twenty against Buffalo. But you know, there's two two statistics, Joe, that we lead our conference in. One's in red zone defense. And that means we know how to finish a drive. Our defense never gives up. We're number one in red zone defense. And the other one, that's interesting enough, is on offense, we're number one in the conference in third down percentage. So we're very good at, at, at continuing drives, not giving up on third down and continuing drives. And so those are things that have made us successful. Because you statistically, we're not scoring the most points in the conference. We're not holding people to the most points. We're finding a way to finish games and win close ball games. Coach, uh, the MAC uh, this time of year is known for its midweek games, its weeknight games, which we as fans absolutely love because we get to watch football Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But from a coaching perspective, how does that change? How, do, how does your schedule change to prepare, in this case, for a Tuesday night game? Well, I mean, once you get your off week, like in other words, we had an off Saturday. We, we got two days rest. We played last Saturday. We don't play Tuesday, so we get two, three extra days. And that gives us a chance to rest a little bit. But the, for the next two weeks, we're on Tuesday. We're on Tuesday the next two weeks, so we're on. We got Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. So really, for the last two games, it's exactly like a seven-day week. It's the same amount of time. It's the same amount of preparation. You know, now in Northeast Ohio, is it cold and, and snowy and, and windy at night? Yes, it is that. And so, with that, but we all coaches have to go to that. But I think, like you, and so many of our fans have so used to seeing the Mid American Conference play midweek games in October, November. It's kind of it's, it's kind of become a position that we own, Coach. When you do coach younger uh, athletes, eighteen, twenty years old, in terms of consistency and and getting that out of these kids each and every week, and not allowing them to look ahead, because we hear that from a coaching perspective, you can't look ahead to your opponent. What's the biggest thing that you do in terms of getting those kids to focus each and every week? Right. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like you get what you demand. There's an old saying in football, you get what you demand. And I tell our coaches, you know, that there's plenty of tendency for young people, for players to want to take it a little bit easier in practice. But I make sure I tell my coaches, Ben, they don't have a choice. You, you practice them hard and demand that they practice hard. 
And when the day's over, they will have a hard practice in. They may not have wanted it as much on an off week. They may not have wanted to practice hard on Tuesday. But you make them practice hard because they'll appreciate it because everybody runs out in that from that tunnel wanting to win a football game. It's how they run out on that practice field on Tuesday that makes you win. Coach, could you touch on a, a former Mac coach who's uh, become a national uh, storyline this year? Matt Campbell and Iowa State, a team that you saw earlier this yeah. season. What did, what what did, what did you get from uh, facing Iowa State earlier? Well, you know, Matt's got a, he, he he was at Toledo. He was always very explosive on offense. He always had a, a, an enthusiasm about him. He's a very enthusiastic coach. Uh, he's a fundamental coach, and I think when you when he goes to Iowa State, he brings that confidence and enthusiasm to his team. And that's important to have when you're at Iowa State. You're trying to turn that, that culture around. And, and then they're well coached, and they've got pretty good football players. So they're as explosive as he was when he was at Toledo. But I think he's brought that enthusiasm with him and that confidence that so many of these young coaches have uh, that helped them take a program that has not won a lot and take them to a new level. Coach, I know you're at practice. We thank you for the time today. Once you become bowl eligible, we'll get you back on the show. and We'll talk more in depth about your program. Joe, thank you so much for having me on your show. Current Akron head coach Terry Bowden, personal friend of the show. I said former, former Auburn head coach. Mm-hmm. He knows the landscape. He understands big-time football, and that's Heck why we have him on. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. He's at ABC, but... Yeah. Terry brings up a good point in terms of focus because we hear that. We hear that with a team like Notre Dame against Wake Forest. Are they looking ahead? I think from a coaching perspective, maybe not the coach isn't looking ahead, but these are younger kids, 18, 19 years old. They are reading the papers. They're seeing papers. I said internet, phones. They're seeing their number three in the college football playoff rankings. That hits them at certain points. And they understand that hurricanes are on deck, that rivalry, uh, you know, Catholics versus convicts. I mean, that's what it was all about back in the day. You know, it's all about leadership. It's about mentorship. I think coaches, regardless of the sport, regardless of the level, I I think that's where they earn their pay. Not so much on X's and O's and fundamentals. Of course, that's a big aspect of the job. But keeping these young athletes focused – on today, on the task at hand, not looking ahead, not looking ahead to the NFL. I mean, look at Jimbo Fisher in Florida State, right? That team has lost its focus ever since they fell out of the ACC race, and and now they're they're non-competitive. So that's the toughest aspect of coaching, and, and I love what Coach Bowden has done at Akron. I mean, he has reinvented himself. He has proven, once again, what a terrific coach he is at a difficult spot to do it with the Zips. Uh, worst program in college football back in 2012 when he took over. He brought an FBS uh, bowl victory there for the first time in school history. History, most wins in school history since they went from FCS to FBS. Eight total wins back in 2015. Fantastic job by Terry Bowden and his staff. He does have Chuck Amato, the former yeah. NC State head coach yeah. on there. Otis Mounds is there as well. So uh, a solid staff that he has uh, really put together in uh, the university and they're reaping the rewards in terms of mentoring young athletes each and every week because it is in the offseason as well. And you, you talk about a coach in Matt Campbell that it preaches a blue-collar philosophy. And you saw that last year. They lost four games by a total of 25 points to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Baylor. Those were the better teams in the Big 12. And you look at this year, and some people seem shocked, but I, I just saw it happening for this team in terms of the kids buying in. 
Joe, there, there's a reason why they call the Mac the cradle of coaches, because I, I, I think you develop that sort of gritty mentality, that uh, that blue-collar mindset. You're recruiting kids in areas like Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania, oftentimes not recruited by the Big Ten. They have chips on their uh, they have a chip on their shoulder. You look at a Corey Davis, the wide receiver from Western Michigan, a kid from Chicago who was overlooked, winds up with the Broncos, becomes a high draft choice. The Mac does that over and over and over again. So I love when a Terry Bowden, when a Frank Solich, older coaches can kind of reinvent themselves. And then you have the flip side. You have the younger coaches. You have a Jason Candle at Toledo. You obviously a Matt Campbell who goes from Toledo to Ohio State. So the cradle of coaches is alive and well. And there's a very nice mix of young coaches and the veteran coaches. That's a fun conference. A team that resembles Iowa State in terms of blue-collar mentality, Dave Clawson, another yeah. blue-collar coach from Bowling Green yeah. that brought Good point. great success. I mean, from an offensive and defensive line perspective, it took them a while, but that's where they preach physicality, much like the Mac. And when you look at this matchup against Notre Dame, they're not going to be afraid of the Fighting Irish, even though from an athleticism standpoint, they might be overmatched. They're going to force Brandon Winbush to attack their secondary over the top, and that's where I think some plays can can really transpire in South Bend. Well, again, I, I don't know who the playmaker is uh, to to step up. I mean, could it be tight end Cam Serenier? Uh, but the problem I have at Wake Forest is, and it's been a problem uh, in Winston-Salem for a number of years, they don't run the ball well. You know, they traditionally, they're around three yards per carry. It puts a lot of pressure on John Wolford. Now, this year, he has stepped up. That was a remarkable performance. One of the best performances ever by a Wake Forest quarterback last week against Louisville in that 42-32 victory. Can he do it again against Notre Dame? I don't think so. I like the Elko factor. I also like the confidence of that Notre Dame defense. Uh, I'm going to I've already tipped it off, but how many schools in the country do you think have held every opponent to 20 points or less? None. One. Who? It's Notre Dame. There you go. Notre Dame has not <laughs> <laughs> Notre Dame has not allowed an opponent to score more than 20. So I don't see your 30 points. I don't think it happens today. I, I think this is again, I think this is something in the neighborhood of a 37 to 17, 38 to 17 where where Notre Dame just wears out that Wake Forest defense. They have some good individual parts. Big fan of Duke Edgy of four, their defensive end. But I don't think there's enough to slow down Notre Dame. Well, Josh Adams has set uh, an FBS record now. He's had five games where he's broken off a 70-yard oh. touchdown run. That's the first, I believe, in FBS history. I have to double-check it. But uh, Notre Dame did send that out. So that's a, a, a very impressive statistic. Especially t- his size, Joe, too. That's the thing. Like, Bryce Love, kind of a scat back, looks a little bit like a Barry Sanders. But Josh Adams is 6'2", 225 pounds. Very impressive. Running away from secondary. He's, he's a brawler. I mean, he's, yeah. he's not going to juke a lot in terms of he's no, north and north south, south as, yeah. qu- as quick as you can get. But once he gets north-south, though, he has great get-up speed, he and he runs away from smaller players. He does. I think the, the matchup, and again, I don't think Notre Dame loses this ball game. I think it's 34-30, to 30, but Brandon Wimbush still 51-52% completion percentage. I think that'll play out. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Virginia Tech and Miami. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermon live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. 
Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. on college football today we were talking wake forest notre dame will turn our attention to virginia tech and miami miami's won three of the last five over the Hokies and dropped this ball game last year in blacksburg 37 to 16 but to me i think they have a red hot defense seven interceptions over the last couple of games holding opposing offenses to 197 Passing yards through the air, going up against a very young quarterback in Josh Jackson. Ten point victory by Miami later today, thirty to twenty. Rich, I don't think Miami beats anybody by ten points. I know they had the blowout over Duke <laughs> earlier this year, but over the past month they have been adequately named the cardiac uh, cardiac canes, and 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 they've earned it. And and I give them a lot of credit. Mark Richt has this program headed in the right direction. I think they're way overvalued as a top ten Do team. You? I don't think they're a top ten team right now. They have a top ten record, and, and and they certainly could take a big step towards the coastal division title, but. In this game, I look at the most dominant unit as Virginia Tech's defense with Tim Settle and Ricky Walker on the interior of that defensive line. Two times today, I'm going to talk common opponents, Joe, and I'm going to do it right here. Virginia Tech against North Carolina, 59-7 to over the Tar Heels. Miami struggled, barely escaped Carolina last weekend. I think Miami is overrated, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Travis Homer, the running back, has done a nice job, but he's not Mark Walton. And in terms of young quarterbacks, Malik Rozier, he's had a lot of games where he's been under 50% passing. Listen, I think Virginia Tech is going to be the story tonight on defense. That defense is going to suffocate Miami. This was close to a best bet pick for me. Really? I think Virginia Tech rolls the magic carpet ride. For Mark Richt and Miami ends tonight at home against Virginia Tech. I disagree, Counselor. I know. Now, you I, do. Here, here's what I we look disagree at. a lot. In we, week but 10. that's good. That's it great. Good. It, this is what makes the analysis in in terms of breaking these top twenty five battles so uh, unique because we do have different opinions. When I look at Virginia Tech, they're holding opposing offenses to one hundred and ten rushing yards on the ground. The way you have to beat Virginia Tech is over the top. They're giving up around one hundred and seventy seven passing yards to opposing offense. You look at Malik Rozier, completion percentage, yes, in the 50s, 53, 54%. Over the last three games, though, this is a Miami offense that's averaging 332 passing yards per game, six touchdowns, one interception. I look at Josh Jackson on the road. He's a young, inexperienced quarterback. And secondly, when I look at the rushing attack of Virginia Tech, Trayvon McMillan, he's not lighting it up. It's more of a tailback by committee. There's not one featured back that's really dominating in terms of playing time, I think Miami can make them one-dimensional and put the pressure on Josh Jackson to beat them over the top. It's a very fair point. I mean, I'm not in love with Justin Fuente's offense this season. Uh, Josh Jackson has begun to come into his own. I think he has a bright future in Blacksburg. He's shown some flashes, but he's young, like Rozier is, so I think better days are ahead. I agree with you in terms of running back. I look for Cam Phillips. Cam Phillips versus a very good 
Miami secondary. Malik Young is a young kid who's played exceptionally well for Miami. I don't think either offense clicks tonight. I, I think both offenses will struggle, but again... Virginia Tech has been downright suffocating in the month of October, opposing teams 9 of 47 on third downs, best in the country. I like to I like to get granular. I won't pass out too many stats, but I like to get granular, not just in the totality of a season, but who was playing at their best over the last three or four games. And defensively, Virginia Tech has been fantastic. They have an outstanding secondary once again, strong at the second level with Tremaine Edmonds. I don't think Miami has any answers on offense. So, Joe, this will be a close game. I think it'll be competitive throughout. But special teams, defense of Virginia Tech, just a notch above Miami. The Canes will struggle to score on offense. I could see this being something like a 24 to 19, 26 to 19 Virginia Tech victory. I just think the Hokies are a better football team. Miami has been somewhat living a lie as a top 10 team, and it gets borne out this evening. Yeah, you bring up great points about Miami living dangerously, and they've done that, uh, especially last week on the road in Chapel Hill. They escaped with that ball game over North Carolina that didn't have an ACC win heading into that matchup. But I just think there are certain teams that, match up very well over the years. Again, North Carolina has played Miami very tough. They got the victory last year in uh, Coral Gables, last year in South Beach. Uh, so there are certain teams to me that just match up and, and Miami knew this game was on deck. They were on the road. They knew they had the better defense. This was a team that we spoke to Melvin Bratton. How do you keep these kids up each and every week? And he said Jimmy Johnson did a fantastic job. But at the end of the day, they're still 18. They're still 19. They're still 20. I think they had this game circled on their schedule. They knew this was the make-it-or-break-it game to really propel them into the top five. I think if they dominate Virginia Tech later today, expect to hear the Mark Richt and the Hurricanes for national championship. It will not be a domination. I, I just don't think there are many offenses right now. I think even Clemson would struggle to dominate that Virginia Tech defense. Ooh. Forget about a domination. I mean, the domination would have to take place, and I like the Miami defense. Manny Diaz has done a terrific job, outstanding in the front seven. Names that we haven't talked about a lot, like RJ McIntosh up front, Shaq Quarterman on the second level, Michael Pinckney, the linebacker. That is a very good defense. So Virginia Tech is going to have its hands full. Justin Fuente, one of the better offensive minds, a coach that you and I like. I think he's going to have a hard time getting Josh Jackson prepared, especially to your valid point they don't have a true number one a feature back I think Cam Phillips makes just enough plays on the outside against D Delaney Malik Young and that Miami secondary but again I I I don't want to really beat this to death I just think that Miami's offense which is trending south and Virginia Tech's defense which is trending north with a bullet I think that's (laughs) going to be a difference in this game I think Virginia Tech's defense Bud Foster will be the coach of the game in this uh, in this matchup. With a bullet. With a bullet. With a bullet. I think it's a 10-point win. I think the difference between Virginia Tech this year than last year, Bucky Hodges is gone, Isaiah Ford, red zone opportunities in terms of matchups, in terms of nickelbacks and linebackers. That's what Bucky Hodges brought to that offense. That's why you're not seeing the same type of offense that Justin Fuente ran in 2016. I will say this about Miami's offense. They are balanced. Call it what you will. They're rushing for 167 yards on the ground, passing for 298 through the air. They can beat you a number of different ways. 
And I like Malik Rozier in terms of he, he's battle-tested. He's uh, clutch. He, yeah, I mean, he's certainly he stepped clutch. up yeah. now in two ball games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when the game was on the line, he's made plays. Josh Jackson, outside that domination against West Virginia week one, really, uh, you look at him against Clemson, did not step up against a solid defense that kept him in the pocket. That's what Miami's going to do later tonight. Joe, you just touched on why I couldn't push this over the hump into a best bet. You're absolutely right. Listen. Am I swaying you? No, no, no. I, I, listen, I like Virginia Tech. Not going to sway me in that regard. But I couldn't make it a best bet because of what you just mentioned. That Rozier has this ice in his veins, Braxton Berrios. These, you know, these kids, they have something magical about them. They have a way to pull through during clutch moments. We saw it against Florida State. We saw it against Georgia Tech. You know, held on late against eight point victory against Syracuse. So they have that special winning formula. Mark Richt has them believing that they can win every game. That's what sort of scared me in terms of turning it into a best bet. But, uh, you know, I'll throw out one more thing to you with regard to the Virginia Tech defense. When they held Boston College about a month ago to 10 points, we all kind of rolled our eyes and said, big deal, it's the Boston College offense. Well, what has the Boston College offense done since that point? Since that game in which they scored 10 against the Hokies, they've put up about 120 points, about about 38, 39 points per game. So BC actually has some pop on offense, but couldn't do it against the Hokies. Yeah, I think it's a 10-point win. You're calling for double digits? No, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be about a touchdown victory. Every game Miami plays now is going to be close. But you think more low scoring. So you're seeing like 17-10? I mean, I I say 26-9. I have uh, Virginia Tech winning. All right, we'll see how it plays out. 8 o'clock game. It is on ABC a little bit later tonight. Let's turn our attention to JT Barrett. Iowa. I mean, when you look at Iowa, uh, Ohio State, I mean, they're playing Iowa for the first time in Iowa City since 2010. JT Barrett stepped up in the fourth quarter, led that comeback over Penn State. He does have 25 touchdowns, only one interception, completing 69% of his passes. He's going up against a hot quarterback as well in Nathan Stanley that does have 17 touchdowns on the year, four interceptions. I could see this game being very, very close. I think Iowa's in this ballgame from start to finish. I'm not buying into the Buckeyes just yet, even though give them all the credit for coming back. I think this is a very close ballgame later today. It's quiz time again. I'm going to ask you another quiz question. Uh You ready? Yeah. How many programs did not allow a touchdown pass in the month of October? Iowa. Iowa. The only one. Iowa, yep. Who did they play, though? They played Minnesota. That's true. That's true. The competition wasn't like they were facing Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. I I get it. But they have a very good secondary. Josie Jewell, healthy again. That's a very good defense at Iowa. And I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a hangover for Ohio State. I mean, that was an epic victory. Epic victory for Ohio State. That that was a season-changing fourth quarter for JT Barrett and the Buckeyes. So I, I think it's fair to make the assumption that they could be a little bit down. Iowa has played well at home this season. Darn near beat Penn State, right? Took a miracle finish out of Trace McSorley. So I agree that this game can be close early. I would take the points in this game, but eventually Ohio State pulls away because Iowa just doesn't have the offensive firepower. I, I have not been impressed by their offensive line. They haven't done a good job of springing Akram Wadley. I don't think they have enough offense to keep pace with Ohio State. So I, I'll call it a two-touchdown victory for the Buckeyes. 
Well, that that would be that within would be a, cover. Cl- a lot closer than people in Vegas think. Here's 16, what I, 17, I, I have flashbacks to 1990. Greg Fry hitting Bobby Olive over the middle with about 14 seconds left on the clock. I look at Iowa's defense holding opposing offenses. 30% on third down conversions. I think they could step up and make enough plays to keep this game very, very close. No I, upset. I might even Not call an upset. Uh, close enough. Uh, when right, we come right. back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. The award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. About an hour and 20 minutes away from the start of the 12 o'clock kicks. Let's welcome in Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. He's been red hot with his best selections. Gabe, how are you today? It's always a pleasure, Joe. It was great seeing you. It's too bad we couldn't connect uh, with Uncle Rich, but I understand he's uh, he's a busy man. I'm ready to rock, and I'm rocking my Wolverines jersey that I picked up at uh, Modell Superstore. <laughs> Went shopping, uh, Rich, with Joe Lisi. Is Anthony Carter? Is that Anthony Carter on your uh, He's on your he yeah, looks chest? Good. Right. Yeah, looks great. Nice. Let, well, let's let's keep it where it is because I like Michigan today. They're actually one of my best selections. How do you feel the Wolverines fare against uh, Minnesota a little bit later tonight? Well, we've seen a track record with Jim Harbaugh, haven't we? Um, he's falling short against the elite teams and the rivals. But he handles his business in football games uh, like this. You know, I, I'm in a dog mood, and I love what Rich tweeted out earlier. Let's call it. Uh, let's call the studio the kennel today, uh, because you know, I, I tell you, the people from Peter are gonna like me because I love dogs uh, this morning, uh, guys. Especially, this is the most bets that I've had, so I'll just start rattling off games. And Michigan's not a dog. Um, so they didn't make the cut of my best bets of the week, uh, but I do like Michigan to roll in this game as well, uh, Joe. All right, you know what? Give us the dogs. I mean, you you, you wet our appetite there, Gabe. Uh, tell us which underdogs are going to cover and possibly uh, win on the money line. Well, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. So let's let's uh, start off. We we have a full slate, early card, ton of games going on here uh, in the in the early at uh, twelve o'clock uh, kickoff. Let's start off with a military academy uh, matchup. Now, I saw that uh, 76% of the time when the military academies play against each other, the game goes under uh, the number. And I think a lot of people are going to bite on this because of this trend. We all believe uh, what we read all the time. (laughs) And, um, you know, both these teams are over teams. And it's funny, there's a lot of negativity around this Army uh, football team for some reason because they're not covering point spread. They're a six-win football team, guys. This is Army. You know, it used to take them, you know, four years to win six games. 
So now they're overvalued. They've been favorites and have been laying points when they shouldn't have been. And therefore, they're not covering point spreads. So people are negative somehow uh, on this Army football team. I'm not. I think this game comes down to the wire. Army's games have been close uh, on a weekly basis. I love the military on military, uh, you know, games. I mean, they know each other's programs extremely well. Um, but, you know, but to me, to me, Army's uh, on the rise right now. This isn't a great Air Force uh, football team. I think they're going to have their hands full. I wouldn't be surprised if Army wins this game outright. I'm going to take, uh, I'm taking Army plus the points, and give me the over as everybody chases this 76 uh, percent uh, trend uh, to the under. Now, you guys are going to think uh, that I'm crazy. I must have been out all night, and uh, I'm still intoxicated right now. And I tell you, I like the UMass Minutemen uh, getting the 31 and a half against the Mississippi State. This is going to shock people. You know UMass, the last six times they played against SEC teams, they've covered the number, including earlier this year, against the Tennessee Volunteers, although everybody covers against Tennessee. Uh, but the difference is here, uh, Mississippi State, who do they play next week, guys? Alabama. Yeah, when you're betting on college football, not so much in the NFL, but when you're betting on college football, you have to take a peek at the schedule. Who are they playing the following week? They've got a cupcake right now that they specifically scheduled for this reason, to prepare for Alabama so they don't get anybody hurt. I'm not saying they're going to have their hands full to win the football game, uh, but as this game goes on, and if they're up by 21 points or so, they're going to start thinking about Alabama. They're, you know, they're not going to be worried about UMass. UMass coming in on a two-game win streak right now. Their offense started to put some points up on the board. 31 and a half points is just uh, too, uh, it's, it's too high. Give me the Minutemen uh, in this one. This next one, guys, look, we were just on Wall Street uh, the other day, and what do the hedge fund capitalists uh, do? They swoop in and they see companies that are struggling, but they see value with. They buy at a low price, they turn it around, they flip it for a profit uh, down the road. It's exactly what we're going to do with the Florida Gators uh, here today, except I'm not the only one, uh, unfortunately, that's noticed uh, this. Is Florida is uh, down to one point right now. We'll get you caught up to date with the underlying movement. Florida needs this football game uh, to go bowling. And, yeah, okay, they got punched in the mouth uh, against Georgia. Who has it? You know, Georgia's the number one ranked team in the country right now. Who hasn't got punched in the mouth in that football in, in, by that football team? Uh, but without being stated, all right, they lost. They lost to LSU by one point. They lost to Texas A&M by two points. This Florida Gator team isn't getting killed on a weekly basis. And now suddenly, all they have to do is beat uh, Missouri. Why? Because Missouri, you know, beat up on a couple of bad football teams. I mean, come on now. I think the Florida Gators defense is going to be way too much uh, for Missouri. They're going to circle the wagons with Randy Shannon's uh, first game. And uh, the Florida Gators need this game to go bowling. There's a lot of talent on this Florida Gator football team. You know, and now, now the McElwee's gone, you know, the, the, you know, the sort of shadow, the black cloud over the program, I think the kids can just sort of play for themselves right now and say, listen, you know, let's have some fun right now. Shannon's a good players type of coach. I think the Florida Gators going to come in a little bit more relaxed. Zaire won't have to be looking over his shoulder right now. Now that he's the quarterback, I mean, you can't you can't change a quarterback every week. And you know, it was chaos. Settle on a guy. I don't care which guy. Settle on a guy. You know, Zaire's okay, man. As long as he doesn't turn the football over and doesn't try to do too much. But I think the Florida Gator defense uh, can handle the load today and uh, lead them to victory. Um, you know, we, you guys, you, we all talked about Vanderbilt and professed our love uh, for the Commodores earlier in the year. Well, that was then. This is now, man. They've lost five straight football games uh, in a row right now. And I don't see how you can be laying 12 and a half points with this football team against uh, Western Kentucky. Give me the Hilltoppers. Give me the Hilltoppers. 
These two teams have played the last two years. Was it 31-30 and 14-12? And now suddenly a Vanderbilt team has lost five in a row, laying 12 and a half, 13. Give me the Hilltoppers plus the points. Let's stay at 12 o'clock, Gabe. A couple games that Rich and I haven't touched on. It's an SEC West battle. It's Auburn and Gus Malzahn on the road in Kyle's, uh, Kyle Field to face Kevin Sumlin and Texas A&M. There's no way I could back Auburn here. Even though I'm not high on Texas A&M, I would take the Aggies with the big wood here, plus 15 at home. How do you see this game playing out? Love it. Love it, Joe. Love it. We're on the same page uh, here. I don't see. How, how do they have any business being this bloody board favorites? You know, this Texas A&M team isn't as bad as people uh, make them out to be. Yeah, okay, they got punched in the mouth uh, by Mississippi State. It's going to happen. But, you know, they they hung around with Alabama. I'm a big Christian uh, Kirk fan. This this kid's a stud. I don't know why I just don't get him the ball on every play, to be honest uh, with you. But, you know, Sumlin's been under the gun a lot this year because of that UCLA game earlier in the year. But I watch a lot of uh, Texas A&M football. These kids play hard. You know, these kids play hard. I, you know, this isn't a bad Texas A&M football team. You know, the quarterback, uh, you know, the quarterback is raw. He makes mistakes, but he makes plays uh, as well. I think they're going to be in a dogfight. Dare I say, I think Texas A&M can win this game, Joe. Plus 475 on the money line. Uh, you know, Kevin Sumlin is 7-1 uh, and one against the spread. Last eight times, he's gotten seven or more points on his uh, home field. Way too many points. I think Auburn have been overrated uh, all year, actually, uh, to be honest with you. And we're seeing it with, you know, it's reflective in their point spread uh, record uh, right now as Auburn's just 3-3-2 three, three, and two against the spread. They're overvalued on a weekly basis. They're over overvalued here. To me, Auburn's not much better than Texas A&M, if at all. I think Texas A&M can win this football game outright, as crazy as that sounds. I think it's a bad line. I just I think it's a bad line. And another quick one, too, with a line movement, guys. I was baffled all week as to why um, Virginia Tech were favored against the Miami Hurricanes. It was minus two and a half. And the reason that it was is you have to read between the lines with the point spreads, guys. Okay, why were they doing that? You're like, are you kidding me? Miami, they haven't lost a game. They're, they're an underdog on their own field. The odds makers think Virginia Tech's going to win. You know, they, they got a lot of heavy action earlier in the week on Vautech, so they were trying to bait people into taking the Miami Hurricanes, and it successfully worked, as the Miami Hurricanes are now three-point favorites in a football game that I think they're going to lose outright. I think Virginia Tech's going to beat them. I think the odds makers fooled everybody and did their job here on this one. Gabe, a couple of key uh, programs, top 10 teams, uh, need to rebound this weekend. Talk a little bit about Penn State coming off the Ohio State loss, TCU getting beat by Iowa State. Which of those two programs that have playoff aspirations can bounce back this weekend? I think it's a problem for both of them, to be honest uh, with you, Rich. Uh, you know, you've, you guys have been covering college sports for a long time. The difference is... I think professional athletes can sort of bounce back. What do we see in college basketball all the time and in college football games? We see these huge momentum swings. You know, where one team, you know, it scores three touchdowns in a row and then the other team scores four touchdowns in a row. They're kids. You know, they're emotional. That's what makes the sport so great. The craziness of the crowd, we never talk about that. You know, a pro event, you got a bunch of, you know, jerks yelling and fighting in the stands. College, there's like a sense of desperation uh, with the kids. It's like their weekend depends on you know the party and you know everything just comes together and it's so passionate and so electric. But when things aren't going well, I think it's a problem. And in the business, Rich, in the gaming industry, we call it the bubble burst. Uh, the bubble's been burst. 
I think uh, TCU is going to have a hard time with Texas today. Listen, Tom Herman's an ATM machine, guys, as an underdog, 6-0 and against the spread as a head coach uh, when getting points. Texas are knocking on the door, guys. Texas, you know, they'll go 95 yards down the field and they'll make one mistake. They always have one boneheaded mistake uh, per drive, it seems. They have Ellinger back uh, today. I think they're going to be able to run the football on the ground. This is going to be a dangerous team once they figure it out. They don't know how to close out football games and win football games. But you see Texas hanging around with top 10 programs on a weekly basis, Rich. And I think uh, today is a similar situation uh, as well. And with that being stated, I think uh, I think uh, P- Penn State's going to be in for a dog fight today against uh, Michigan State. The only thing I will say is a guy wearing an Anthony Carter Michigan Wolverine jersey should never be picking the Spartans on a TV show. And every time I bet on Sparty, man, they screw me over. <laughs> Last time I did it was against Notre Dame. I've learned my lesson. I haven't bet against Notre Dame since then. Uh, but I do think that uh, Penn State and TCU are both going to have problems today bouncing back. They both might win, but I don't think either of them are going to cover the point spread. Gabe, great stuff. We'll get you back on next hour. When we come back, Rich and I will be breaking down the other games, Penn State, Michigan State, Texas, and TCU. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com premium and learn more about our awesome product. Rapid fire picks, Pac-12 battle, Arizona and Khalil Tate on the road to face Sam Darnold, USC. USC showed me something and bouncing back from that devastating loss against Notre Dame. I can't buy into Rich Rod. I know Khalil Tate's playing very well, but I'll take the more balanced team, in my opinion. USC with a 17-point win later today. Listen, USC has disappointed this year. We all know that, but I, I agree with you. I mean, excellent performance against Arizona State. Now is the time that teams are making runs for divisions. I think USC is more equipped to win the Pac-12 South. I love Tate. Do not like that Arizona defense. I think big night for Sam Darnold. I agree as well. That's a 10-45 kick, so keep an eye out for that. We'll turn our attention to the SEC West game. The Gus Bus on the road in Kyle Field against Christian Kirk, Kellen Mann. I like this team overall in Texas A&M. I love Keith Ford. I love John Chavis as a defensive coordinator. And I just can't buy in to Jared Stidham on the road with 100,000 fans. I like Texas A&M. I think they can get the victory here. I, I don't. I disagree with Gabe in terms of a money line. I, I could see A and M hanging around long enough to possibly cover. But here's the issue: the A and M offense has been absolutely necrotic throughout the past four to five weeks. I don't see that changing against Auburn, which has one of the top five defenses in the country. The ability to score points will end any hope of a of an upset for A and M. They could compete. I could see taking the points. I don't see the victory, though. Quickly, Auburn loses this game. Do we hear hot seat rumors for Gus Malzahn? Yes. 
Yeah, well, I think both coaches are on the hot seat as they enter yeah, this matchup game. at 12 o'clock a little bit later. We'll keep it in the Big Ten. It's Wisconsin and Indiana. I'm not sold on the consistency of Indiana's defense. I've been very impressed with the secondary of the Badgers. They're a sneaky good team. Nobody's mm-hmm. talking about them. I expect it to continue on the road in Bloomington. I like the way Hornibook's playing overall. They're able to run it. They're able to pass it. And I think they do get a 17-point or more victory later today. Uh, I totally agree. With or without Jonathan Taylor, they'll run the ball. The problem I have with Indiana, good defense, sneaky good. I agree, not enough offensive consistency. That will not change against Wisconsin. I, I think Wisconsin has something to prove. They've heard enough about their schedule. I think they need style points. Well, here's an intriguing battle. Stanford on the road in the Palouse to face Washington State. They have not looked good. A very disappointing season. After that quick start, the win over USC, Stanford struggled in Corvallis against Oregon State. This is really a contrast in styles because Stanford got blown out in Palo Alto last year by Luke Falk and the crew. I'm going to take Washington State here to bounce back. I think they get a 13-point win over Stanford later today. Bryce Love has been cleared to play. That everybody should know. But Washington State is 6-0. Perfect on the Palouse. I think that continues against Stanford. Stanford is starting a young quarterback in K.J. Costello. Washington State knows how to get after the pocket. They're active. They're physical. Hercules Mata'afa will force at least one turnover. I like Washington State. Oregon on the road to face Washington and Jake Browning. This is one of the most underrated rivalries in college football. Washington put up 70 points in Outson Stadium last year. Oregon will be looking for revenge. To me, it doesn't matter. Washington State, the more blue-collar team, even though Oregon did pick up the victory over Utah, I think Washington wins this ball game by 24 points or more later today. Joe, this line started at 26. I mean, I jumped over it on Sunday. It was 26. It's now down to about 16 and a half. When we put in our picks, it was 21. Oregon's defense under Jim Levitt has really overachieved. Washington reminds me of Clemson. There's something wrong with that offense. I don't think they pull away. I think Oregon competes doesn't win, but I think they compete against their rival. Northwestern on the road against Nebraska. Nebraska 4-4. Four and four. To me, it is the rush defense of Northwestern over the last six games, holding opposing offenses to 94.8 rushing yards per game. They get it done in Lincoln. Northwestern has turned the corner. I completely agree. I think it continues for Pat Fitzgerald. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other top 25 games. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.